This is the Purpose Church Podcast. We exist to help every person live on purpose. It is our prayer that this message helps you experience God in a brand new way. Amen. Amen. Well, welcome to church today on a beautiful, beautiful, sunny Sunday morning. I want to welcome those of you that are here for the very first time. Church, come on like I know you know how to do. Give a big round of applause and say welcome and hello to those families that are here for the very first time. Glad to have you here today. If we've not met, uh, my name is Landon. My wife Kelly and I pastor this church, and we're so grateful uh, to get to meet you today. And uh, if you... uh, didn't look at it already inside the worship guide you were given when you walked in the worship center door. Uh, there's a connection card, and we'd love for you to fill that out so Kelly and I can reach out to you and just uh, get in your boat and, and help you with some next steps if you desire to take them. So anytime between now and uh, the end of the service, go ahead and fill that out, and then when you're leaving, the same beautiful smiling faces that handed you that worship guide will take those from you uh, in a black bucket, and we'll reach out to you uh, soon. In fact, if you are looking to take a next step today, everybody say today is Growth Track at 5 o'clock today. There's already three or four of you families signed up to be there uh, tonight. And if you don't know what Growth Track is, um, it is that major next step. It's that next um, uh, that on-ramp. If you're looking at, if you're on a service road and you're, you're checking things out, it's that on-ramp onto that next step of your purpose and next step of involvement uh, here at the Purpose Church. The staff will be there. Kelly and I will be there. Kelly and I lead it. Uh, personally, we'll be there tonight. Uh, bring your kids. We'll feed everybody. Just sign up online. Let us know so they can get enough food for everyone. And we'll have amazing volunteers come and your kids will have their own separate experience um, uh, during your time with us, and you'll get to come to the ministry training center and office complex uh, here in Shirts, and so you'll you'll get to come and meet the staff, meet a bunch of leaders, and ask some questions. We'll go through some fun things together and find out the main question we answer at Growth Track is find out why did God bring a bunch of people into an elementary school cafeteria and what is God up to? So come tonight, hang out. It is one of my favorite nights of the month, and uh, we can't wait to meet you tonight. So what we've been going through the last couple of weeks is a sermon series called Sent, and and it is going through um, a lot of the content we find in this book. It's called Sent uh, by a husband and wife, and they are telling their story about how they found a true, authentic, tangible faith um, outside of the four walls of a Sunday morning service. And, and we've been going through that in the summer. We dive into a specific topic every summer as a church. And this one was all about how do we live a life that invites other people to know Jesus? How do we live a life like that? And what are the tangibles, the practicals to how that looks? And that we even dove in the beginning was about the theological foundational basis for this statement that if we are saved, we are sent. Everybody say saved equals sent. If you have been saved by grace through faith and you have confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior with your mouth and he is faithful and just to save you and your name is now written in the Lamb's book of life and erased from hell's roster. Somebody say amen. A big amen to that. Now having said that, if that is the case, then you are now a sent person. 
by theological foundation and absolute truth, you are a sent person. It is not the preacher's job to be the sent person. We all, as Christians, are the sent people. I'm just the guy with the microphone. This is just what God's asked me to do with my life full time. But we all, as Christians, are sent people. This is not an organization you come to and pay your dues and other people do the job. That's what Costco's for. This is an equipping center. You are a sent person. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a sent person. If they didn't say anything to you, they don't believe you are. I'm just kidding. Y'all like, I'm going to do it next time then. Man, he just punked me out. Here's the truth of it. You're not in your neighborhood. You're not in your HOA. You're not in your job, your children's schools, or those sports teams. By accident, you were placed there on purpose, and you are a sent person. Today, we're talking about expectations. Expectations. As sent people living lives as sent people, we experience Jesus and the world around us through a lens of expectation. Through a lens of expectation. Uh, This last week, I lost my glasses. These are my old ones from like seven years ago, so things are a little blurry. Um, But I lost my glasses. I couldn't find them anywhere. And, and it wasn't like a huge deal to me, like to my heart, because I buy all my glasses on Zenny, so they're like two cents. And so I was just like, whatever, and I'll just order some more, which I did. They'll be here Tuesday, if you're wondering. And I found them in the backyard. My dog had made toys of them. Must have fell off my fishing shirt. You know, that Velcro that holds on your glasses when you get to old man status, that's where they were. It fell off my glasses while I was working on my grill. And, and Joey found them and, and had fun with them. And I was thinking through that. I was laughing because I, I jokingly put them on to show my kid, and they were all jacked up and, and cracked. And I was like, I think a lot of us live our Christian lives like that. Like we, we, we don't have any like clear framework or any clear theology to look through. And it's not even framed with truth. It's framed with confusion and complexity And then the lens is all cloudy because we've gone to other churches or Googled a bunch of armchair theologians who don't tithe or serve or care about people anyway. And then we put on those glasses and we think we're going to have a life of purpose lived with peace. It's foolish. And so what we want to do today is simplify it even more. I love making things simple. It's one of my favorite things to do. And we get a, a big problem or something, even if we're in a staff meeting, let's just, let's dial this thing down and get the oil out of it. Where, what is the most simple way we can say this? Well, Jesus saved you, so you are sent to save other people. To bring them into that relationship with Jesus, to throw them that life raft. It's the people that you work around. It's a lens of expectation. But if you're, if you're looking through your Christian faith through the lens of it's other people's job and I need the Lord to bless me indeed, then it doesn't work. You're not living life with expectation and your faith begins to get dull. And you wonder why you don't hear God speak. You wonder why your faith isn't engaging or exciting. And you wonder why church doesn't make you feel like it used to. And you wonder why you don't have relationships around you like you want. It's because we are living life looking through the wrong lens. We're living life with the wrong frame. We're living life with the wrong ideas, with bad theology. If we live life with expectation, 
as sent people, then you and I can expect God to work around us. We can expect that God, we expect that God still uses people to accomplish his kingdom building work. We expect that God invites us and includes us into this amazing work of introducing other to, others to other people to Jesus. We expect that that's going to happen. We expect that when we go to work that day that there could be a conversation that changes someone's life. We expect that when we walk into a store that we might meet somebody, we might not, but we God might cross our paths with someone supernaturally that needs that connection. We expect that when we sign our child up for a sports team, that there's going to be other people on that team that may or may not be living life with you every single day from then on out, and you're wondering what you did before you met them. We expect that when we join a small group that our lives are going to change forever because God brings deep relationships to us in that semester of a group. We expect that God's going to use us in our neighborhood, that God made a way for you to get approved for that home, to be in that neighborhood on purpose because your neighbors need you. We expect God to use us. We see our homes and our neighborhoods and our jobs differently. Even like the song we just sang, it's your kingdom is simple, as simple as love. Lord, teach us to, we want to see people the way Jesus does. Your kingdom is simple. Or teach it to us. It's simple. We see our jobs, our people, neighborhoods differently because they now represent a spiritual opportunity. God sent you there. And not, we're not talking about that they have to come here. There's lots of other great churches. I don't know. There's people that, that you might be leading into to faith and then they move and you never see them again. But their family tree was changed forever in San Antonio. You don't know, that's up to God. Where they go and all of that is up to God. You make the invitation, you plant the seed, all of that, but it's a spiritual opportunity. We see people differently as sent people. We see them as Jesus sees them and we begin to care for them as Jesus cared for them because of that. Remember when Jesus had just gotten done preaching and they, him and his disciples were working hard and they were literally about to go on vacation. And, and they, were, they were about to get on this little boat and disappear for a little bit. And then Jesus saw all of these people run into the shore. And the Bible doesn't say that Jesus got frustrated or aggravated. What does it say? He saw them like sheep without a shepherd, harassed and helpless. He didn't go, oh, come on. You guys were all at the last five events. You got saved all five times. Are you kidding me? Come on, grow a little bit. Which is what we, how we treat people. Why are you acting that way? And my, my most hated phrase is, what is wrong with you? And a lot of us think that God's looking at us like that, and so it's hard for us to reach out to other people because we don't want them to feel like we feel, and that's because you have a wrong view of God. When we get a theological foundation for truth and grace and faith and mercy and we know what we've been saved from, we want everybody to feel like we feel. We want everybody to know that Jesus. It changes the way you see people when your life has become lit up by truth. But when the kingdom is simple and we begin to see people as Jesus sees them and we begin to care for them as Jesus cared for them, here is where the rubber meets the road. 
We're in week number seven of this series. Let me ask you this question. How is your life changing in light of all that you've learned? Has your daily life changed at all based on what you have heard and learned? And if you've only been here a, a week or so, go back and catch up and listen to the messages on your drive and, 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 and let that truth get in you, and that theological foundation that we discussed in the intro. Get to that point where you're on the same page here and ask yourself the question, how is my life going to change based on what I've learned recently? If we don't ask ourselves that every week, every Sunday, every series, then we won't grow. How are we going to change? Do you now see people as sovereignly placed in your life so that you can show Jesus to them? Do you now live with an eternal perspective wherever you go? As our hearts change and our mindsets change, our outlook changes. We are seeing with different lenses. And in so doing, we see things more spiritually. We see people differently. Now, remember, God wants to include you. God wants to include you. And a lot of you were used by God yesterday, almost 100 of you, at Serve Day. So hats off to you guys. You guys made a big impact, a huge impact in so many lives so many lives yesterday, and you were used by God in that moment. How can we be used by God every day? God wants to include you every day. When you live life as a sent person and there's expectation, you expect that God's going to invite you and include you in this amazing work. So as we live with expectation, let's see how the practical and the spiritual come together. Number one, you got to know that God goes before you. God goes before you. He's omnipotent, he's omniscient, and he's omnipresent. So he's all-powerful, all-knowing, and he's everywhere all the time. He's, he's already in your tomorrow. And that's hard for you and I to understand a little bit because it's not super linear, one plus one equals two thinking. It's, it's a little, but it's a theological truth that God is everywhere all the time. He's already working. Somebody say amen to that. He's already moving on behalf of your neighbor. He's already positioning you, positioning them. He's already instructing. He's already empowering. You and I simply listen and step into those moments of obedience. It's not super spiritual or mystical either. It's just how God chooses to do it. It's how God chooses to reach people. It's how God chooses to reveal himself in the earth is through his most precious creation, which was humankind. God sent Ananias to pray over Saul. Not King Saul, it was Saul who became Paul. Saul who was the Christian mass murderer. Who then became the Apostle Paul who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Ananias was scared to death because if Ananias was in the room with Saul, then that means he was going to be beheaded. And God sent Ananias to go to Saul. And aren't you grateful that Saul became Paul because billions of people are saved because of what they learned about Jesus through his letters, some of them from prison. God sent Ananias to Saul. God sent Saul and Barnabas on their way. 
to reach others. God intentionally laid out their steps. God sent a man to speak to Peter in Acts chapter 13. It brought a bunch, it brought boldness and, and energy to the church. God, think about the times God has sent someone to you. When there was maybe a time in your life when you were down and out and you were broken and scared and worried and God sent someone to you with that encouraging word just right at the perfect moment or that text squeaked through or whatever it was or think about those moments. Think about the moments maybe where God has sent you to someone in their time of need in that way. Think about that. Another amazing passage to see God going before us is in Acts chapter 8. You can follow along on the screens or on the YouVersion Bible app on your phone. Our sermon notes are uploaded in that app every single week. Um, or follow along in your paper Bible if you've got it. Acts eight twenty six through 40. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him. Now notice that, now think about the specific way, the specific way that God sends Philip to someone who needs to know about Jesus. So as for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. Very specific instructions. So put yourself in that place. Go down Old Wiederstein until you hit the 98th bump and turn right. Verse 27, so he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia a eunuch of great authority under the Kandake, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading out loud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. So um, get the picture in your mind of how this is going. Philip is being sent through the desert from Jerusalem to Gaza, which, by the way, was not the best route, the easiest route, or the one anyone would have chosen. God sends him down that route. How many of you know God most of the time works through the way and the pathway that is the most difficult for us? God doesn't do easy things like that. He doesn't just go, hey, you got saved, now everything's gonna be great. You and your wife will never fight again. It's usually a very difficult road ahead, and you, but you get to a place of breakthrough that you could never get any other way. So God sends Philip through this very difficult pathway through the desert to meet this Ethiopian eunuch who is a servant to the queen of Ethiopia. And he's reading the book of Isaiah out loud, just hanging out in a horse carriage. And then the Holy Spirit says to Philip, see, if you're not listening to the Holy Spirit, then he can't use you. The Holy Spirit says to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. So what does that mean? He said, Philip, to put yourself in your HOA. Go walk by their house on purpose instead of avoiding them at the mailbox. Y'all don't do that, do you? Go intentionally. Put yourself in their sphere. Get in their bubble space. Can you imagine? Philip's already going through this desert pathway. He's already hot. He's hangry. He's just trying to get there. Wondering why God sent him on this wild goose chase. And there's this Ethiopian eunuch sitting there talking out loud to himself, reading the book of Isaiah. And then God says, go get in his bubble. So here he is. Philip goes and gets in his bubble. And then Philip said, do you understand what you're reading? Sounds kind of rude. Just be honest. But he says, do you understand what you're reading? It was a very spiritual question he asked because uh, the, the gentleman said, how can I unless someone helps me understand it. 
There's so many people in your neighborhood right now that are searching and searching and searching, and they have been searching for years for something to fill that void in their soul, and then God let you buy that home right next to them, and they are wondering how they'll ever fill that void. So you don't have to say it just like Philip said it, but God will always send someone alongside them to help them understand it. They're wanting someone to help them even though they may not know that's what they need. And he urged Philip to come up into his carriage and sit with him. So had him over for dinner. The passage of scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. This is what the Ethiopian eunuch was saying out loud. It's a verse from Isaiah. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, is the prophet Isaiah talking about himself or is he talking about somebody else? Fair question. So beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him about the good news of Jesus Christ. In fact, most of the book of Isaiah, if you look at it, it's all pointing to Jesus Christ. It's all prophecy about Jesus. And so Philip now had an inroad to share the good news of Jesus, but he would have never had an opportunity had he not gone down that bumpy road, had he not got in his bubble, had he not accepted the invitation to sit in the carriage. He would have never had that opportunity if those three decisions and those three answers to God had been no. How many people's lives are being affected by your no? How many people, how many neighbors of mine have been affected because I said no? So Philip is in the carriage, and he's, he's talking to him, and, and he begins to tell him about the good news of Jesus. He says, as they rode along, now they're driving, I guess. Good for Philip. He was walking a long way. They came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? And he ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down to the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. What a ride! The eunuch never saw him again. Isn't God nice? He's like, you walk through the whole desert. The dude's baptized now. He's saved. I'll just teleport you home. You did enough today, Philip. God is good all the time. <laughs> and the eunuch never saw him again. But he went away rejoicing. Verse 40, meanwhile, Philip found himself farther north at the town of Azotus, and he preached the good news there in every town along the way until he came to Caesarea. Philip accomplished one sent assignment, and God moved him to the next sent assignment, to the next sent assignment. A life of a Christian that is sent sees through the lenses of expectation, and your faith will never be boring again. If you live life as a sent person, the Holy, the Holy Spirit told Philip exactly what to do. When you and I are sensitive to the leading of the Spirit, amazing things can happen. God supernaturally went before and ordained that moment. God supernaturally had the, the Ethiopian eunuch on the worst road from Jerusalem to Gaza. 
and put Philip right there in that moment. And Philip said yes once and got on the road, said yes twice and went close to the carriage, said yes a third time and got in the carriage. And I believe he said yes a fourth time when he shared Jesus. And then he said yes a fifth time when they got out and baptized the guy in somebody's stock pond. And then he said yes a sixth time, went to the next city and the next city and the next city. How many millions of people in Africa are saved today because of this story in the Bible? It's tangible, it's real, and it happened. How many revivals have happened because of Philip's four yeses on the road from Jerusalem to Gaza? How many people now know Jesus because of this man's yes? And I gotta be honest, for me personally, it comes down to trust. Do I trust that God is going to have my back in that conversation when my heart's beating out of my chest and I'm about to say the J word? And I'm about to say Jesus, and I'm about to ask him, remember last week's message, who do you say that I am? And I'm about to get down where the rubber meets the road, and my heart's beating out of my chest, and I'm about to invite him to come to church with me. And God, do you have my back? For some of us, it's a scary moment, I've heard stories from some of you and from some of your small group leaders that for the first time in your adult Christian life, you have invited people to church, and I am so happy and excited about that, that you are stepping out in your workplace and you are living life as a sent person, knowing that God has gone before you and put you on that road next to that carriage, next to that person. God has gone before you and positioned you with people. Get this. God goes before you and positions you with people with problems that you are uniquely positioned to speak to. God is not going to place you in positions with people where you've got nothing to say. He puts you in position on purpose. God does not do anything by accident. A lot of you in this room have a lot of really bad church hurt and baggage. Isn't it something God sent you to a place with a pastor who almost didn't make it through his last assignment in ministry? It's not an accident. It's not an accident that God sent you here to an elementary school when you passed 10 churches to get here, all of which I'd probably attend because I know them all. But you came here. God knows what he's doing. God knows what he's up to. You are uniquely positioned to speak to the people that are around you. Well, I don't believe I am. This trust thing. See, with a genuine faith, stories of your own transformation and a sensitivity to the Lord, people's lives around you and family trees will change forever. And everybody said amen to that. Look what Henry Blackaby said. God gives me plenty to do to fill each day with meaning and purpose. If I do everything he says, I will be in the center of his will when he wants to use me for a special assignment. Isn't that awesome? If you're sensitive to the Lord, he will use you, he will speak to you. God wants to include you, perhaps even today. Number two, scripture awakens the soul. 
So God goes before you, places all of these things together supernaturally. But number two, Scripture awakens the soul. The Bible says that this, uh, that the Word of God is alive and active. It's not a history textbook. As we saw in the text, it was the Scriptures revealed to the Ethiopian eunuch that caused him to see a drop of water and go, baptize me, bro. I can't unhear what I just heard. You mean to tell me that there was a man who died in my place that I've never even met before? Why would someone ever do that for me? What have I done to deserve that? You and I have done nothing to deserve that. It is a free gift of grace that Jesus Christ gave because God loves you that much. And when somebody hears a message like that, you can't unhear it. Scripture awakens the soul. It awakens the part of us that has been yearning and lacking and searching for something to fill that void. And in the country and the world that gave the world Hollywood, the thing that we do is we fill it up with a bunch of movies of little wizards and another movie about an exorcism. And we fill it up with all of these spiritual movies because people are flocking to the theaters to connect to something bigger than them. And maybe God placed you in that neighborhood to show them that they were created on purpose, say it out loud, for a purpose. People have questions about what they're facing in life and what they're experiencing in life, and they have questions about what confuses them spiritually. But Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and active and full of power, making it operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as the division of the soul and the spirit, penetrating the completeness of a person, and both to the joints and to the marrow, which means the deepest part of our nature. It exposes and judges the very thoughts and intentions of the heart. It's the Word of God that changes a life. It's not your Googling ability. It's not your self-help tapes. It's not how many episodes you've seen of Dr. Phil. It is the Word of God alone. And if you don't know the Word of God or have anything in your pocket, you may have read something two months ago, and you're like, why am I reading the same verse over and over and over again? And then God places you at a barbecue with somebody, and that verse comes to mind, and you share it with them, and it changes their life forever because two months ago, God was getting you ready for that moment. But it only works if we say yes. It takes a belief in knowing that Scripture awakens the soul. Scripture alone awakens the soul. Never underestimate the power of the Word of God. It's a seed that is sown, and it may take 10 years for that seed to grow. Never underestimate the power of the word of God. You may not speak it exactly like you want. I mean, I I lead a church for a living and I butcher verses all the time. Like, I think I just put two together. You may not say it exactly right. You may say it was in the book of James and it was in the book of John. God knows where the reference is. Calm down. And people aren't looking for your Bible knowledge anyway. 
So if you're sitting at a coffee shop with someone, they don't, they're not going to connect with you spiritually if you're like, the Bible says in the book of 3 John. I thought there was only one John. Yeah, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, chapter 1. You lost them because you're weird. Don't do that. They want to know how you have connected to the words you read. They don't care about the reference. They, they want to know if it changed your life. And this next one and this last one truly brings light and center stage to our place in the world. I'm talking about expectation. If you expect God to move, if you ex- then he'll, if you expect that scripture will change a life, if you expect that God's gone before you, then number three, you can expect great things when this happens. You set out the chairs, which means you prepare the place. You make the invitation. Do you think that the church of Jesus Christ blew up to millions of people in one year after his resurrection because all of the disciples and all their followers got into a room and had good church services and took communion together and hugged each other and did potlucks and had a small group? They did all of those things, but what else did they do? They went from town to town to town telling them, and and Paul says in Acts chapter four, that I cannot stop talking about what I've seen and heard. I gotta tell everybody. When Peter said that in front of the Sanhedrin, it was these people who had the power to kill him. I think that you and I have a great opportunity today to set out some chairs. Imagine if you had come to church today and nobody put chairs out. Would you, would you feel like, man, that church, they have prepared the place for me. No, you would feel like we didn't care about you. You would feel like no one wanted you here. It's like if you go to someone's house for dinner and not, not everybody's got the gift of hospitality, I get it. But still, you can offer somebody some tea. Come on. You have somebody come over for dinner. It's like if you're, if you're frantic and the dinner's not ready and you didn't even make tea and there's not even any water and, and, and you don't, I mean, it's like, were you, did you remember I was coming? Have you ever felt like that in a room? It's weird. It's awkward and you feel like you don't belong. See, when you set out the chair, when you do the invitation, you have an opportunity to create that entrance ramp onto the interstate for their purpose. See, we bring what we have, and God performs the miracle. It's the same with our finances. We bring what we have, and God performs the miracle. As you bring God the resources that he's given you, the home that he's given you, your ability to smoke a brisket like a boss that he's given you. Come on, somebody. You give those things up to the Lord and he will use them for you to be a gospel presence, a gospel outpost in your neighborhood. And you'll begin to bless those people around you. So let me ask you this question. What would change in your community or your job if you were no longer there? 
Just think about it for a minute. Read, read it on the screen again. What would change about your neighborhood if you sold it tomorrow and moved on Tuesday? What would change in your job if you got another opportunity in another city and you moved tomorrow morning? Would they just fill the vacancy and everybody moves on? Or would there be a void left because you are gone? Would anything change about your neighborhood if you moved? Now, I would venture to say, if you don't even know your neighbor's names, the answer to that is probably no. You have more of an impact on the people around you than you think you do. Because the Holy Spirit lives in you. God lives in you. Jesus saved you. And you've got an opportunity to bring Jesus to your neighbors in a very genuine way because you have been genuinely saved. This question we just read affords us the opportunity to think about what we are offering people around us. It makes us wonder what blessings would end if we left. Can you imagine if God truly used you to change your community? Can you imagine what your neighborhood would look like if you finally logged into Facebook and got on your HOA's Facebook page, which is usually full of demonic activity, and now it's full of people inviting other people to your home for small group? Just imagine. Think about your street. Think about your street name. When you pull into your neighborhood and see if you live in an HOA and you see the the, the entrance sign and then think about your street name whether it says Church, Cibolo, Live Oak, San Antonio whatever it says on it in the little corner if it has it and you're seeing your city's name and you're seeing your street's name and then think about all the houses you drive by to get to your driveway what would change about that half of a block if you were gone? And maybe you need to consider leading a small group in the fall. Small groups are about to end for the summer semester and then we have about a month break while we're um, in adding new groups and training new leaders. And when you start hearing um, communications about that, maybe your home is to be a gospel outpost, maybe for the first time. It's not as hard as you think to lead a small group. And we'll be with you every step of the way, but think bigger. What if God truly used you and I to change a city. If you remember back to before, uh, about four or five weeks ago, I shared with you the statistic that 66% of shirts in Cibolo claims atheism or no religious activity. 66%. Austin is 57%. That we have a higher percentage of atheists and non-Christians per capita than Austin. And what if God wants to use you to flip that stat on its ear where we can see, literally see the needle begin to move in the other direction? What if shirts and Cibolo changed forever because of your willingness to say yes like Philip did on the road from Jerusalem to Gaza? What if your neighborhood changed because you said yes like Philip did and 
walked up next to the carriage. What if your neighborhood changed because you said yes like Philip did and then you got in the carriage? Which is metaphorical for lots of stuff, you know, learning about them, their history, their kids' names, being involved. Remember that sermon I preached on video was about being interested rather than interesting. You don't need to be the Dos Equis guy. Just be you. And look at Ephesians 3. Now to the God who can do so many awe-inspiring things, immeasurable things. Like you can't even measure it if you try. The impact can't even be measured. Things greater than you could ever ask or imagine. Through what? Through the power at work in who? Who? Us. Through the person sitting next to you in the seats right now in the first service. Through them. Through you. It's immeasurable what God wants to do through you because you and I serve a God that could do infinitely more than you and I could ever ask or think or imagine, but it takes our yes to see it. And so I want to challenge you with something, and we're going to resource you as well. We want to resource your expectation. I want to help you have these like next steps to help you with this. So I want you to text the word SENT to 210-920-7770. Go ahead and get your phone out and do it real quick. It's not anyone's personal cell phone number. It is the church's computer text number, so it doesn't go to anyone's phone directly. No one's gonna call you. We don't sell your number. It just goes straight to an auto response. And what it's going to link you to is a form. It's very simple, it just has your name. And then it has a drop down and it says, I will live life as a sent person and I will have people over to my home in the next seven to 13 days or I will have people in my home for the next 14 to 21 days. Click one of those and we will send you a $50 HEB gift card to help create that barbecue. If you don't wanna have people over your home in the next two weeks, then no gift card. But what about four weeks? Nope, two weeks. Why? Because in a month you're going to forget, and it's back to school, and they've already got Christmas trees at Hobby Lobby. The year's over. It's over. It's 2024. So if you don't do it in the next 14 days, you're not going to do it. Statistically, you won't do it. I've taken enough psychology classes to know if you don't do it in 14 days, it's never going to happen. The next step has to be immediate, and honestly, I think 14 days is gracious. Well, I can't plan a barbecue in seven days. Are you kidding? Are you kidding? Buy some beans and, you know, it doesn't have to be a barbecue. Grill hot dogs or hamburgers. Throw some processed cheese food in between, in between it and butter the buns and they'll love you forever. Throw some bags of potato chips out and turn on some, some good music and get to know people. It's not hard. Just text them. The other day, Kelly and I texted just some people that live around us and said, hey, we're on the driveway. They're like, cool. So all these people started showing up at our house. We just sat in the driveway like a bunch of hillbillies. And we had a fire pit out in the middle of the driveway, but it was 99 degrees, so we just stared at the wood. The ambiance was there. Kids were playing out, you know, in the street, and 
doing things kids should do and hanging out and having fun, wrestling each other. And it's not hard, but we want to resource you. So text the word sent, put that slide back up for me to 210-920-7770. And here's the other kicker. I'm only leaving the link up until 4 p.m. today. So you don't get to pray about it. There's nothing to pray about. I need to pray about having a barbecue. I need to pray. No, it's a theological truth that you are a sent person. There's nothing to pray about. Stop praying to God about things he already said yes to. It's a waste of your time and his. Just do it. Just invite people over. Well, my house isn't clean. You got five days for God's sake till Friday. Invite them over. If it's that dirty, call us. You need other help. We'll help you with that. But get people around you, and we want to resource you to do that. Everybody go ahead and stand to your feet. I'm gonna ask the band to go ahead and come on out and prayer team, go ahead and come on down to the front. Everybody say saved equals sense. God is working. Somebody say amen to that. He's going before you and he's already in your tomorrow. Who agrees with that? And the relationship though starts with these two questions that must be answered by every human being before they die. Is Jesus your savior? And is Jesus your king? Because he can be your savior and not your king. You cannot go to hell and make it to heaven by the skin of your teeth. Because I don't know if y'all remember, there's a whole reward system in heaven and mansions and all that stuff. We'll get to that series later. It's totally cool. Or... Jesus can be your king and you live in his kingdom and it changes the way you live life now. So heaven comes to earth in that case. We want you to live like that. It's the most fun way to live. It's more exciting than anything you could ever do in your life. So those questions of is Jesus your savior? Is Jesus your king? Are the questions to answer today. And maybe some of you have never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. And I'll ask you, have you ever confessed Jesus Christ with your mouth that I am a sinner and I need salvation? Come into my heart and change me forever. I now receive your free gift of grace. And I'm now a Christian. I choose you. If you've never prayed a prayer like that, today's your day. And any of these amazing trusted people at the front will be willing and happy and excited to pray that prayer with you. Elena, I don't want to come down front. This is the moment to take a faith step. It's the safest, darkest room in your world right now. Take a step forward. This is the best place for you to take a step of faith in your entire life. Come up to this moment and take a step and make Jesus your Savior. What about the king question? Because you can be saved, and you're like, I really, I really believe Jesus is my Lord and Savior, but I'm not living as if he's my king. I'm not living life as a sent person. I ignore my neighbors. I pull into my garage. I don't talk about my faith at work. I don't really engage with anybody, but I want that to change because I'm tired of my faith being impotent. I want to see Jesus move through my life, and I want to serve him as my king and my Lord. And I will be sensitive and listen and obey. I want to live life like Philip did. I want people getting baptized in my bathtub. I want to live life like that. And if that's you, then you take a step forward and come down and tell them, I want to start living life as a sent person. And they will pray a prayer of courage over you. 
And if you are in control, you can't live life like that. You've got to release control to his way and his plans. And if you're stressed out trying to make it all work, let's make it simple. Because his kingdom is simple. He's your king. He's your savior. You're a sent person. You were created on purpose for a purpose with the destiny so beautiful, you don't even know what it's going to look like in a year from now. But in the next six months to 12 months, God could change your life forever and put people in contact with you whose names you don't even know right now. And you'll be sitting there hanging out with them in nine months in your driveway with some dry firewood that you wouldn't dare light because you don't want to die. And you'll be looking around the circle and wondering what you did before you met them. But it takes a yes. It takes a yes. You can live life like that. And that is Christianity. Church is not Christianity. This is not Christianity. This is an equipping service for Christians to go be Christianity. To be sent ones. To see their lives change. To see other people's lives change because theirs has been changed. So we're going to pray and then the band is going to sing a final song. During that song, the altars are open. There's communion on both sides of the room. Come and take communion. Remember the sacrifice of Jesus. Come get some prayer and answer the question, is he my savior? Is he my king? Are you living life like he's one or none of them? Or are you living life like he's both? Answer that question for yourself and then worship. And just feel the presence of God. It's so simple. He's in the room right now. The Bible says where two or more people are gathered in one place in his name, he's there. So he was here when the setup team got here at 6 a.m. He was here because there was more than two of them. He was already here before you woke up. He was already in the room. And he's been waiting on you to get here today. And this is what we call response time. You've heard the truth. You've read the scripture. Now it's in your hands to do something with so we encourage you, take a step because you will never be the same when you do. Come on, hold your hands out or lift your hands. Make a step, a sign of surrender here. God, in the name of Jesus, we declare right now that every room, every heart in this room is being touched by the power of God, that we are done living life in control, that we want to live a life of spiritual adventure like Philip did. God, would you put people in our pathway like you did Philip on the road from Jerusalem to Gaza? Would there be a tiny brook on the side of our life where we're helping people go down as sinners come up as a new life? Would you use us as sent people? May we never be the same again in Jesus' name. And may we respond to the truth of the gospel and may we never be the same. And in these moments, as we take a step forward, would it change our HOA, our neighborhood, our kids' schools, our jobs, that nurse's station, that cubicle, that classroom. May our world completely change because a church full of people said yes, 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 yes to every decision along the way. And God, for all the people that you're preparing to put us in conversation with, we will be sensitive to you and we will listen and we will not say no. God, use us. Thank you for your grace, Lord. And thank you for using us to share that same grace with someone else. And as we take a step forward today, may we never be the same in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Let's sing together. The altars are now open. Take a step forward and respond in some way today. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Church Podcast. 
If God used this message to impact your life, tell us your story by emailing mystory@thepurposechurch.com. Be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at thepurposechurch.com to get connected and receive all the latest information.